This week on Kettle of Fish, actor Tyler Labine stops by to talk about deadbeat comedy and fighting evil. Welcome to our after show. We call Kettle of Fish the No Politics Laughter Show. It's time for Kettle of Fish. No debates, hate, or arguments allowed on Kettle of Fish. It's like a Willy Wonka psychedelic acid trip. So hooray for Kettle of Fish. All righty, welcome to Kettle of Fish, the show after the show, the talk after the talk, the 30-minute comedy money shot after the one hour of political foreplay. Fern and D, as always, you are in the fishbowl with me, right? Always. Glub, glub. Does that sound cheesy? I just ad-libbed that. We are in the fishbowl. Does that sound like, dude, it's Ron and the lizard in the morning. I, I don't think it's I've cheesy enough. I've got my fins and scuba gear on, but no snorkel. It makes it hard to talk. Yeah. yeah, and no shiwi, right? No, no, <laughs> no need to shiwi just today. let it flow in, in, when you're in the fishbowl. You don't need to wear a shiwi like you did on trivia last week. Oh, my gosh. That is correct. Oh no public pools for me, no. I can't even, no. Just, yeah, no. All righty, all righty. Um, I want to thank everybody who listened to our show. We jumped out real quick. I forgot to tell everybody. Thanks for listening to our inaugurational episode of The Funny Thing About Politics with Christopher Titus was our first guest. Um, you can catch that on our archives at where, where, where can you find it? www. No, you don't need the W. It's tincan.media because .com is just so like 2015. So like it's tincan.media. Alrighty, and today's guest is from, I keep wanting to say Dale and Tucker fight evil. That sounds so much more natural. Tucker and Dale fights evil, Deadbeat, Reaper, one of our favorite shows, and the upcoming Super Troopers 2 movie. Tyler Labine, how you doing? Good, how you guys doing? Good, good. I want to thank you for calling in. You know, me and Dee have been huge fans of you um, ever since Reaper, but I went on your IMDb, man, and you have been doing acting well before that. You've got a long and illustrious career. Uh, yeah, I started a long time ago. It's true. Yeah, you and to, you tend to build up a few credits when you've been doing it as long as me. <laughs> man, you started in Canada, right? I mean, is there a big shift moving from doing Canadian television to what you're doing now? No, I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, I grew up in Vancouver, which, you know, is well within proximity of L.A., so it was like a lot of American productions, which is where I cut my my chops, I guess, you know, my teeth. Uh, and then it was a pretty easy move from Vancouver to L.A., to be honest. Like, I had a show, I shot a pilot for a CW, or it wasn't the CW, it was called the WB back then. Uh, that's how old I am. That's how many... <laughs> Right. Well, I, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> but uh, I did a show with WB that shot the pilot in Vancouver, and then they picked it up and moved to LA. And I was like, okay, I guess I live in LA now. And uh, so, yeah, the, the transition was pretty seamless for me, but it's not that way for everybody. Admittedly. Are people surprised when they know you mostly as Sock from Reaper, or at least a starting point, and they see that you have like a 15 year career beyond that? Is that where most people, where you're on their radar first, is from Reaper? For Reaper, I guess that was like one of the things, but I, I had had multiple TV shows before that already. Like I had this show called Invasion on ABC that yep. was a really huge hit for one season, but that was a big one. And uh, I had a show called Breaker High that was really popular that me and Ryan Gosling started when we were in our teens. Uh, that was like, especially in Canada, it was it was a it was a UPN show, but it really blew up in Canada. So there's there's been like I have pockets of different 
sort of fans or, or appreciators, I guess we'll say. But yeah, I guess in the States and in a certain uh, kind of weed-smoking demographic, <laughs> those definitely certainly became aware of me uh, because of Reaper, I think, so. Well, you know, um, when I go on to Netflix, and I hadn't seen Tucker and Dale vs. Evil until it came on Netflix, but I had seen the ads, yeah. the trailers on other things. I was like, man, I really want to check out this movie. And I think yeah. next to Student Bodies, it's my favorite kind of horror comedy. It comes in second oh, cool. only to that. And when it was on Netflix, it was on the new release queue for like six fucking months. And to this day, it is still like under offbeat comedies or dark comedies. Yeah. That yeah. must have had a giant success hmm. on Netflix because they still have it up on like the front queue when you pick stuff out. Yeah, I think it did pretty well for them. Uh, it, it's it's that's an interesting one because it didn't, you know, it. it it commercially wasn't that successful, I don't think. You know, obviously it wasn't a big hit or anything, but it's been a, a real slow burn, kind of consistent performer for the last, I don't know how many years, we it, like seven years ago. So it just keeps kind of building momentum, which is really bizarre for a movie, you know? Like, usually you kind of, as a movie has a really short shelf life. So it's been interesting to see people find it the same way you did, like on Netflix or people that people ripped it online and they find it and then they become fans and they pass it to their friends. And it's that kind of movie, which I think we all have. You know, you have that one movie that for me, it was super troopers, which is we'll segue into that in a minute, but for you feel like it's yours in proprietary sense over this movie where you kind of, you share it with people in kind of an intimate way. It's like music in a way, you know, you share it. You don't want people to share it with too many people because you want to kind of keep it cool. Tuckerndale is kind of, it's kind of that, you know? Yeah, it's very punk rock in that way. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> so it's very DIY. Hey, you know, I saw an interview with you, and you were talking about Tucker and Dale versus Evil, and you were saying that you actually filmed that in 24 days, and you had to do most of that stuff in one take. What's it like working yeah. under the gun like that? That seems like a fucking intense schedule. Yeah, I mean it is, but that that's kind of where that's where I I hang out. I don't do a lot of big uh, budget blockbuster movies where I get, you know, that kind of luxury to just figure it out as we go along. There's a lot of movies that I do where we have no money and we have a very, very uh, short shooting schedule and you have a one-to-one ratio and you just have to kind of get it right the first time. But Tucker and Dale was a different one because it was really tonally a very complicated movie. Like that horror comedy line we watched was kind of, it, it can be, it can be played entirely wrong or it can be played it's just it's it's a hard sort of balance to strike so when we were doing the movie we we thought we would be able to sort of stumble upon things and really work it and massage a little bit find this tone but we really had to just get it right out of the the gate and it's to eli craig's credit and alan tudyk he's just a, a genius but we you know we didn't have much of a shot to to figure it out. So we were lucky. We, we, we found the tone and struck the right tone as well as we did, I think. Well, my friend Faith, I think, is like in love with you. And she sent me a couple um, questions to ask you. And one of them was, I think yeah. that that's on everyone's mind. Is there going to be a sequel? What what's I keep reading different things. It's the internet. So I'm surprised I haven't read like the whole cast hasn't been taken away to a fucking FEMA camp or something. But it's on the <laughs> internet. There's a thousand different things going on. What's real? What's not? Is there going to be a sequel to this movie? I don't know. It, it's uh, certainly something that we would like to do, but there's lots of shit that I'd like to do <laughs> that I don't get to do, you know? Um, 
I would like to take a 20-minute shit without being interrupted by my kids. But that doesn't happen. <laughs> yeah. No, that's so, not going to happen until you know, they're like 16. Yeah. And staring into their phone. A whole new set of 16 year old knees that must interrupt my shit for. Um, But we we got like uh, officially slated to do it at the beginning of 2015. I think we made an official announcement, which was confusing to people, understandably. We were like, yeah, we're doing it. And then we just didn't. Um, A lot of things kind of had to come together in the right way to make it happen. And then they just didn't, you know? Um, the script wasn't there. The, the producers that uh, like optioned the movie in the first place are, for lack of a better term, inexperienced and don't right. really know what they're doing uh, financially. They wanted to spend less money on the sequel than the first one, and they didn't want to pay Eli to write it or direct it. So they tried to find somebody else to write it. And, like it was just it was very bizarre. And Alan and I were just like, fuck this we're not going to go and do some like other person's material based on what we did. Like we were like, we're doing it with Eli. Eli was like, don't do it. Eli is the director. And writer. Yeah. You don't want to end up and doing Tucker want, and Dale go to space camp. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they want, they wanted to go shoot it in Goa, India for like no money. And they're like, Oh, we'll put you up in these opulent hotels. And they were just, it was really, it just felt real slapdash and money grabby and the one thing the only thing we walked away from that movie with because we didn't get paid shit for that movie we didn't you know we didn't i never saw any money from that movie we just for whatever reason the movie was really appreciated by people and that was the only thing we had was that kind of integrity it was like people were like you did something cool there so if we're just going to like go and make a sequel for you know less money and like what what's the point i don't want to damage any integrity that we've actually managed to uh, eke out of people, you know what I mean? So I want to, we're just, we're not going to ever make a sequel that isn't going to be perfect and, and, and better than the first one, which I don't know if that movie exists. So Fair enough. we're just kind of just sitting and waiting, you know? Well, talking about walking away with things for movies, I'm going to probably ask you the most important question I've asked on this show. Did sure. you get to keep the sexy painting of yourself? Oh, what? No, no, we, I already saw that online. I know that. <laughs> Did you get to keep the sexy painting of yourself from that burning feeling? And where can me and D get a copy? That's hilarious. You're asking me. I'm looking awesome. at it right now. Really? I have, it, I have it hanging up in my studio. The, the original painting of it uh, is right here. I'm looking at it right now. I'm in a yellow banana hammock wearing my blue New Balance shoes and my uh, knee-high tube socks. For some reason, I look like I've walked out of a, like a, a very sort of modest forest fire. <laughs> very pink and, and very black, uh, but yeah, I have it right here. It, it's uh, it's mine. It's not going anywhere. <laughs> Seems yeah, like the kind of painting you should fit into, like Deadbeat in the background. Like everything you do, you should have a clause in your contract. This painting will be somewhere in the background as an Easter. Well, I, I I have a little piece of it with me every day. I get it come in my studio. I look at it. And I think, hey, hot damn, you are a good looking man. And that I must be your zen. Yeah, exactly. Helps me uh, stack up my chakras in the right order. Yeah, my, get my get my chi in shape. But no, it's funny that that picture is not me. Uh, they photoshopped a c- composite of my head, and somebody on the crew who I guess one one day when I wasn't there had a similar body to me, and they're like, "Hey, would you pose in this very alluring pose that I'm in?" And then they just took a, a shot of me from the internet and posted it. Or pasted it and then had the artist paint that. 
Well, so, thanks, you know, Tyler. You that, ruined the fantasy for me. You fucked it all up. I had close, this Titanic-type fantasy in my head, <laughs> and you just totally fucked that up for me. Sorry, man. Sorry. It's, it, it's a bummer for me, too. No pun intended. True enough. All right. Let's talk yeah. um, one more thing, and then I want to get to Super Troopers. So I reach out to you. I'm looking at your Twitter. I'm looking at your Facebook. You have all these family pictures on there. You are a family man. It is obvious from even talking to you. Like, I'm going to be on vacation with my family. Let me try to work this Mm -hmm. out, which was very cool Mm -hmm. of you. With all the crass blue type comedy that you do, do you have organizations (laughs) coming after you? Or do you have people to think like you're this bumbling pothead and what the hell are you doing raising kids? Does that does, is there a balance there, or do you actually have people that are taking the screen Labine as the real Labine? No, I haven't had any of that yet. Uh, no, immigration hasn't come around. Child services hasn't come around. <laughs> They've been pretty understanding. Uh, but it's funny you mention that because I, you know, I just had my third child. Actually, I've got a, a two month old as well. Right on. So if I sound if I sound like I'm dragging ass right now, it's it is that I'm currently living in hell. Uh, three, totally three, understandable. Three kid, sleepless hell right now. Sounds like um, it's more time with the chakra painting. Yeah, exactly. I guess I should come in here maybe two, three more times a day, just get a load of myself. Um, but I, uh, I feel like I have started to become that person. I'm starting to look at like my body of work and be like, "Come on, man! Like, pull your socks up a little bit, get it together, just grow up, stop thinking this is funny." But you can't. I can't. I think what I think is funny is funny, you know, to me. So I'm still very drawn to like crass, lowbrow humor. I think uh, it's just, I don't know, man, it's a fun place to live when you get to like, and maybe now it's becoming more of an escape for me. Right. Yeah. I get that. I I, I, I get to be here being as responsible as humanly possible for me, which is not very, but it's, it's exhausting for me. And then I get to go to work and sort of just, you know, act like a, like a morally rudderless 20-something-year-old again, you know, and just sort of do, say whatever I feel. And it's fun, but then I got to remember, too, this is my legacy. Like, like future generations may look back at these movies. Probably not, but they may. And uh, and think, oh, what a piece of shit that guy was. He, I heard he had three kids. What a, you know, or who knows? I, I think nobody will ultimately... Well, you'll be a hologram by them. then. All of us will be <laughs> exactly. holograms on, like, a hologram. I'll be long forgotten by then, but it's... Uh, it is. It is something I've wrestled with a little bit in my mind, just sort of like the like the maturation of Tyler Levine, trying to sort of reflect where I am personally in my work. And I have been doing a lot more uh, parts that people will have a lot harder time finding uh, because nobody wants to watch me do drama. But I've been doing a lot of drama and a lot of sort of more uh, serious roles, and it's been really fun. It feels more. Uh, sort of honest because that's kind of where I am in my life. I'm less in that zone of, you know, the pot smoking sort of uh, slacker best friend and more just, uh, I'm a dad, you know? I got, some, cool. I got some responsibilities, yeah. Um, I know Fern wants to get in here. The men folk have been tearing up the airways here. Fern, I'm sorry. <laughs> Go ahead and jump in. No, I just, I find it great because I love dark humor, dark comedy. Like, you know, we were just talking with Titus about, um, you know, how humor breaks up the seriousness of, of it. And we've got to make jokes. And I actually just recently watched Someone Mary Berry on Netflix. Oh, yeah. And I thought that was a brilliant, brilliant film. And it, first of all, it looks like you had a great time doing that. I, it was just 
phenomenal, and I just yes. laughed my ass off. But I started to look around at my circles, and I'm like, wait a second, I might be the berry in certain circles. <laughs> and then I look at other circles, yes. and I'm like, wait a second, we're a bunch of berries. Like, yeah. <laughs> so where do you fall on that berry aspect? Like, are you the berry, or are you? Do you have a berry? I can't believe you, you have a berry a circle spectrum. of berries. You're so scientific and chart-oriented, Fern. I bet you have a, ba- a berry spectrum now in your garage, like a big chart. Dude, enough Jose Cuervo will do strange things to a girl. Miraculous really well. To a girl. Um, I, I think the general rule with the berry is if you don't know who the berry is in your group, it's you. <laughs> You're the berry. Um, so if you were thinking that while you were looking at watching the movie, thinking like, oh, am I the berry? You're probably the berry. But but again, we depict the berry in that movie in the most extreme example of berry. You can be, you know, there's, again, there's a spectrum of berries there. Thank you. I'm going to use that for now on the berry spectrum. (laughs) It depends on where you fall on the berry spectrum. But, no, it's, uh, I definitely, I grew up with a berry. And then at a certain point, I think, I I think we all become the berry at one point or another. Like, you know, I think I went through a real berry phase. But I'm definitely not the berry now. I can say that safely. Uh, I don't yeah, think I think I totally the hit the berry spectrum last berry. night. <laughs> oh, yeah? Explain. Elaborate. Oh, yeah. We, we had a little blizzard here in Virginia Beach, and our governor advised us to drink beer and watch football. So we decided right. to just have some alcohol and stay in, and it's the great blizzard You're such a conscientious citizen, Fern. <laughs> well, you know, I'm a, I'm a weekend warrior when it comes to alcohol. I don't drink all the time, but when I do, I have a good time. And we had to stay yeah, outdoors yeah. anyway. And our governor advocated it. So, I mean, how can you go yeah. wrong with that? And you can't fight logic. And you can't fight City Hall. So you had a duty to drink. Mm-hmm. All right. Duty. Let's move on. Um, actually, I want to talk about Deadbeat real quick, too. Is Deadbeat coming sure. back? Because you got three seasons out of that. And I think that's... I don't think Hulu has any shows that has more than three seasons, so that's pretty. No, cool. they they have one. They have uh, East Los High, which is like their kind of um, their Spanish, like uh, Degrassi Junior High or something. I don't really know what it is, but they it's it, that's they've got four, they got four. But we yeah we're the, we're the only show of their kind of like new Hulu crop that got three seasons. Um, they're a confused place. Right now, I think Hulu doesn't really know what they want to be. Uh, I feel okay saying that because I'm I'm pretty I'm still pretty peeved they canceled the show. Oh, so, so they did cancel it. Yeah, th- that was my my horrible segue into letting you know the show's been canned. But it's the the the, the funny thing, the, the very ineffective consolation uh, prize or pep talk I got when we got canceled was they said, well. It's not canceled. Don't think of it as being canceled. And I was like, what? And they're like, no, no. We're just not making any new episodes. And I was like, uh, wow. Huh. That's an ir- like, That's interesting. Well, yeah. like, think about it. It's always going to be there. It's always going to be on the platform, and people can still find it. And it's, it's there. It's part of the Hulu platform. And I was like, fuck you. <laughs> That's a fucking, what a shitty, like, rub salt into my wound thing to say. But it's, um, it got canned. I, we, I don't know if you watched it or not, but season one and two were a very different show from season three. Yes. Uh, I was actually going to ask you about that. Yeah. Well, season three, it's a classic sort of, uh, if it ain't broke, don't fix it scenario. And they decided to try and fix it. 
they being Hulu and Lionsgate, they were like, well, let's kill off every character on the show except for yours. And let's start fresh. Let's just do a new thing. We'll make it a buddy comedy show. And the, the creators of the show fought really hard. Believe me, they're like, that's not the show. This is about a sad guy going through life, sort of bumbling his way, you know, failing upward. And it it should be about a guy who can never fit in and not about a, like a buddy comedy. You know, and they just sort of, they were like, no, the formula isn't working for us. We want to change the direction. We want it to be more like, uh, um, what should we call it? Broad City, and we were like, "You want our show to be like Broad City? What are yeah, you no, talking about? No, we're a fucking stoner comedy show about a medium in New York. Like, what, how?" And they just were like, "Just do it." And then we kind of we added Cal Penn, and we started, uh, you know, they started breaking all the stories on the episodes, and and we, I, you know, I was very involved, and I started reading them early on, and coming into the writers' room, and. I just was like, we were all just really confused and the notes coming down from Hulu and Lionsgate were like, more this, more that. And you can just, when you watch the show, you can just feel that they, they, they let us make season one and two without ever really saying shit. And then season three, they were all over us. Well, I'm glad you said that too, because I was like, man, I'm going to mention that I didn't really like season three the same way I liked the first two seasons. I hope that doesn't piss Tyler off, but it sounds like you were kind of in the same thought process. Oh, I was really upset, man. Me and then Brett and Cody, who created the show, were literally strong-armed into making, turning the show into a completely different thing. Like, I'm not exaggerating when I say we were kind of heartbroken going into season three. Like, I was like, I don't want to do this show anymore. I don't, I don't get this. I don't understand. We had such great ideas for a season three, uh, and we were hoping to get a season four, and and sort of like like right the wrong, you know, and go back to it. But they were just like, no, sorry, season three just turned out it wasn't that popular. And we were yeah. like, yeah, because you ruined it, man. Yeah, you guys and... wanted it to be some other thing, and it just wasn't, you know. Well, and I know Nick and I kind of had that what the fuck moment where we're just uh-huh. like watching it, and, and we watched the first couple, and we're like, okay, did I uh-huh. did is this the same show? Like really, but yeah. then and I love Cal Penn too. Oh, yeah, but yeah, I was yeah. looking at D and I was like, man, I got to be real on the air. I'm not going to like kiss someone's ass. I wonder <laughs> yeah. how an atrocious subject that I really wasn't in the season three because this is our guest. Yeah. And so I'm so like I'm kind of glad that you broke the ice on it. But yeah, season yeah. three, I I wasn't understanding what was going on either. I yeah. thought that was a mistake. And then, yeah. Like as it went on, characters. as it went on, you could kind of feel that like I I don't know. It's it's it was almost palpable that pissed off y'all freaking took my stuff and shat on it kind of attitude thing going on like even i mean because you know there was the storyline and you know here's it's going and you guys are doing what you do and it's great Mm -hmm. but it's kind of like i don't know it's almost like this crazy vibe you guys gave off of you know what if you guys are gonna fuck with my shit I'm gonna mm-hmm. fuck with your shit. <laughs> it's kind of like, all right, like well, the last we want to do this. We're gonna do this, you know. We didn't. It wasn't that we didn't give a shit. I, I'll never, I'll never like knowingly go into something oh, and yeah. sabotage it. I was like, I was like, well, I'm a professional. I'm gonna make the best out of it that I can. And Cal is a great guy, and he didn't know. He just, he didn't. He just joined the show, and he was like, let's have some fun. And I thought, well, if this is what they want. Yeah, I guess there was a certain element of just being like, well, I'm going to be the most that that I can be. Yeah. Just be like really fucking lowbrow, 
stoner, like dick jokey, you know, uh, it, but it just never felt very, very good. Yeah. And creatively between the showrunner and the, and the creators, it was like just constant battling. And by the end of season three, I was just like, ah, if we get another season, I don't know. I don't know how into it I'm going to be, you know, because I don't know if I want to c- carry on making like a totally different show. And the thing that I hate the most about it is like, I was invested in what was going to happen with chamomile white. I wanted to know what happened between yeah. the two. Yeah, and I awesome. wanted to know what the fucking blob was. I wanted to know, you know, I had all these things and elements to the story that I wanted to tell, which I thought was a really quirky, unique kind of show in season one and two. And then it just kind of turned into a very sort of milk toast stoner comedy thing in season three. And a lot of people who didn't see season one and two were like, this show's great because it was a different demographic and people who found it on season three went back and watched season one and two and they're like, ooh, I don't like season one and two. Wow. But it was like, it wasn't a bad show. It was just it was a completely different show than what we initially yeah. set out to do, I think, you know? Yeah, it's like turning like 1985 Kiss into a Boston cover band. And no, no, you know what it was? It was just yeah. like when The Office took out Michael Scott. It was just a yeah. different show. Yeah. It was just like, yeah. oh, here I've I've invested my like in this great show, and then you know you're turning it into something that's you know it's it's good in its own right. It's just not what I mm. wanted before. The magic's gone. Yeah, I and I'm not, and I'm I'm really I hate when shows totally discredit their fans' loyalty and and don't and don't repay them for that. You know, like just sort of like oh fuck it, whatever they liked it that way. Well. People are stupid. Let's make it this way. It's like, no, you only have a show because people are watching it and they like it. And people have invested time. And they've invested emotional stakes in what, you know, they, you've put forth. I mean, I'm not saying that we were made some crazy, heavily serialized show, but, like, there was a through line and there was, a, there was like, a vibe and stories and characters that people started to care about. And then you just take them all away. So we had all these conversations before we started season three, like, pleading with people. You know, the people, the powers that be like, you can't just do that. You can't just not answer any of these questions or just take away any of the reasons people were watching the show. And they were just like, whatever. Yeah, we can. That's what we're doing. That's what we want you to do. So it was like banging our heads against the wall. You know? Well, we're but, familiar with the Hulu thing because we're, you know, a good friend of the show is John Lear from Quick Draw. And for years, uh-huh. they kind of ran him around in circles. And there was so much fan interest in bringing Quick Draw back for a third season. And yeah. it was just kind of like, baiting him and putting him on the hook over and over and over again and the fans and all the fans wrote Hulu. I mean, it was a big writing campaign to Hulu yeah. and it just seemed like they didn't care about what the fans wanted. Yeah. I mean, to put it bluntly, it's not any one person. You know what I mean? It's, it's just, it's a, it's a fledgling platform and there it's, I get it. It's business. They just are flailing to try and figure out what they are. They're not Netflix. They're not Amazon. They're trying to be something, and they're they're figuring it out. So I never want to. I'm not want to say anything disparaging about Hulu because oh, it's no, not like one Hulu. evil genius <laughs> is sitting there going, "Oh fuck everybody." It's just like you know they're trying to figure it out. But I feel like there are more intelligent and sort of um, forward thinking, big picture ways to look at these things. And maybe sometimes when you're in a rush to become you know, a, a Golden Globe t- a nominee contender or whatever, you kind of forget about that. That's all I'm going to say. 
right, well, D is telling us to shut up and move on to Super Troopers, which is a good right. idea because we're at the 30-minute mark. What can you tell us about Super Troopers? What are you allowed to talk about so far? Um, well, I can tell you that it's funny as shit. Um, I went to Boston to shoot it, which was awesome. I've never been to Boston before. Stayed in Waltham, went up to shot up to Maine a couple times. And I can tell you that me, awesome. Will Sasso, yes. and uh, A's MacArthur are playing French-Canadian, uh, Royal Canadian Mounted Police, RCMP officers. And uh, we speak with very heavy French-Canadian accents. And uh, Rob Lowe is our boss. Oh, <laughs> so God, I, think, I can't hey, wait. Can't wait. And it's really, we, we basically were the new rivals. We're the, you know, they're, they've been reinstated as... You know, uh, stadies, and we're in a new territory that, 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 where the whole story is going down, and uh, we're kind of like we're the new rivals for them, and it's and we get into a whole bunch of shenanigans. I cannot shenanigans. I cannot uh-huh. imagine <laughs> what the atmosphere must be like working with those broken lizard guys. That seems like it would be a fucking twenty-four hour party working with those dudes. It was. It was awesome. It was really great. Like they, they those dudes. They rip it up hard, and they're but they're like they're so on it too. They're so sharp and funny at work, and like so they play hard, they work hard. It was like a it was just a great time. We just had a really really good time, and constant collaboration, and everybody cracking each other up, and like the first day I walked on set, I knew I had to shoot. I was just going to do a wardrobe check with Jay. I was like, all right, if you wanted to see me in the bounty uniform. And I've known a lot of these guys for a while. So I came on set and was like, hey, buddy. And he was like, cool. Hang on. That looks great. But just, just I'm doing a blocking right now. And I was watching, like, Remy and Heffernan and, and Soder do, like, a bit. And then Brian Cox comes in. And then, like, Stolansky comes in. And, I, and all of a sudden, I was just, like, I was just, like, a total geeked out fanboy. Literally biting my knuckles. Just like, oh, my God. Nice. There was two being filmed right in front of me. And it was like, they were all there, man. Rabbit and Mac and everybody in Thorny, they're all like doing their thing. And I was just like, I looked over at Hayes and Will, and we were just like, oh my God, this is going to be awesome. So there's definitely that, it was, there's a magic that I think is going to be recaptured well and do the first movie justice. And they didn't go too far. They didn't get, they didn't do that classic pitfall with the season or a, uh, a sequel where they just go way too ambitious and, try to like fill the movie with as many cameos and stunt cast the thing and throwback jokes and call that. They just made an awesome movie and it happens to be uh, the sequel to another awesome movie. So, so when you have a movie like that, that you're a fan of, how do you get involved in it? Do you reach out to them and go, dude, I heard super troopers two is on the table. I want a part of it. Or did they reach out to you? No, Jay just texted me one afternoon. Uh, because I, I worked with him on a show that I had on NBC. He came in and directed an episode. And he brought Heffernan on as like to play like my character's like bromance right. character, like me and him to sort of like like have fall in love real quick, like we become bros. And I hit it off with Hef and Jay, and then I hit it off with Lemmy because Owen did their podcast uh, chewing it, and we just like I don't know, we just sort of like stayed in touch a little bit. And Jay kind of wanted me to do another. Uh, pilot, he had an Amazon pilot he shot a couple of years ago, and I ended up not being able to do it. So we were in touch, and I I'd always hoped, you know, that one day, if they make that sequel, that I would reach out and be like, "Hey, man, I heard you're making the sequel. Can I get a little part or whatever?" 
But then Jay just like texted me one afternoon, was like, "Hey, we're making the sequel to Super Troopers too. Do you want to do it?" And I didn't even, I was, I didn't even ask to read the script. I just, I just said, "I'm in. When, where, I'll be there." And uh, he sent wow. me details, and it just kept getting better and better. And I was like, "Fuck yes!" So, so when can we look forward to this coming out? Happy. Um, I we only finished shooting it. Uh, I guess it was like mid October we finished, so got some time to wait. I would imagine probably not till. Like, I'd say probably, like, maybe fall 2017. Okay, so it will be this year. Yeah, probably. it'll be, like, yeah, it'll be, no, it's not fall. It'll be, like, uh, yeah, probably winter, winter 2017, I'd say. Yeah, so had you been there before, or was this, like, your no. first time going to Maine? Because the people, the people are very different there than they yeah. are, at least in this area of Virginia Beach. And I just, you know, what what was that like? Like, did it feel like stepping into a whole different universe, like, yeah, it was, but I also went there with like just a very, very wealthy guy, and his family is very wealthy, and they sort of took us to their like amazing house, like right on the ocean, and so I was kind of like, I'm a very middle class sort of dude, and I was like really blown away with just like the old money there, and that like real like Americana, like seaside East Coast, you know, lobster roll, white picket fence. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, beautiful, like, uh, craftsman houses all along the beach and fishing boats, and it was cool. It was like, I'd never, it was like right out of a Rockwell painting or a movie or something, you know? Nice. So I thought that was cool. The people seemed friendly. Boston, I find, like, what they call them, mass holes. Uh, yep. There's, there's, a, there's a certain Boston thing that I can kind of dig. I think it's like a... Maybe being from the Commonwealth, maybe being Canadian, there's a working class thing there that I'm like, yeah, I can dig you. But then Boston's also full of like some of the most privileged, intelligent people in the world, and it's a weird mashup, and it was very white. Especially coming from L.A., I was like, where are all the people of color? This is just like a complete whitewash. So, but it was it was neat. It was definitely neat. It was a cool experience, and it's beautiful up there. That's the other thing. Well, you know, Very you always cool. have a lot going on. We got to get out of here, but let me ask you this one last thing. Are you happy where you are, like, career-wise? Is this a legacy thing for you, like you said earlier? Are you always thinking, how am I going to be perceived as an artist or a performer 50 years from now? Or are you just kind of going, hey, I'm going to check this script out. If I can do it, I'll do it. And it's kind of more of a 9-to-5 type of job atmosphere in no, your head? No, no. No, I'm definitely I'm I I undersell my sort of passion for for the arts, and I'm a very creative person. Like I'm sitting in my my recording studio in my backyard right now, and I'm like I just stay creative as much as I can, and I I really pursue very different projects. Um, like a lot of the stuff that people see from me is that is the sort of stuff that comes to me very easily, and it ends up on network television or you know, make some movies that go on Netflix, but I'm always chasing after more challenging and different roles. And, uh, I feel like that's the only way you can stay creatively fulfilled and, and satisfied. It's just like, you know, you gotta, you gotta chase after what really intrigues you. But I also, there is a bit of that element of like, I do have three kids and I need to provide. I've been very fortunate, you know, that I've been employed gainfully as, as long as I have, but, um, it's getting tough out there. There is getting to that point now after last year where I'm just like, okay, time to start taking some gigs. So you just need to know when to switch gears. You can't just sit back and say no to everything and wait for yeah, the that's exact true. Right thing to come along. But you also don't want to just take everything because then I feel like you 
you lose a piece of your sort of creative soul your drive. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Right on. All right. Well, let's end there, Tyler. Thank you so much for calling in. I, you know, actually, you probably don't know this, but for like two years, I was like, I got to get Tyler Labine on. And I was looking yeah. for like websites and different places to find you. And I was like, man, this guy is just not on my radar. And I, I was real <laughs> hesitant about doing Twitter because nobody, when you tweet at somebody, I mean, it's like white noise. There's a million tweets. And I was actually yeah, surprised you got back to me. Out there. Yeah. So I'm happy this happened. Where can everybody find you online? Um, well, you can find me at Ty Levine, T-Y-L-A-B-I-N-E, on Twitter. And that's kind of it. I don't really do any other social media. I used to be on Instagram and Facebook, but I'm, I quit. Uh, too much of a distraction. But I, I stay busy as shit on Twitter. So just come find me on Twitter, at Ty Levine. And uh, you can also follow my balls, at Ty Levine's Balls, on Twitter. They have their own account. <laughs> that is awesome. Uh, they, they just... They they do their own thing. I'm I'm not. I bet they do. That, yeah, they just they late night tweet from my pants a lot of times. So they had, they say crazy things. But um, yeah, you can find me there. And uh, at the I have a website called the the dot com. It's basically just a demo reel and stuff. But yeah, that's kind of it. Right on. Alrighty, thank you for coming on today, Tyler, and congrats on no Super Troopers too. I'm looking forward to seeing it. Thank you very much, guys. Nice to meet you. All righty, D, we're going out with uh, music from Super Troopers 1 soundtrack, right? Yes. And everybody be here for Kettle of Fish. Who do we have on Kettle of Fish next Sunday? Uh, next Sunday, we're going to have a ton of fun with Miss Tiana Miller, who is a comedian, and she plays in a band, and she's just super awesome. All righty, hit it, D. Good night, guys.